You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Four Faces of Love. This is episode 19. We're talking about love correcting. And one of the subjects that is associated with correction is restoration. They are not the same. A lot of people see forgiveness as total restoration. Restoration is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not restoration. Um, you see the, the father of the prodigal son had no grudge toward his youngest son who ran off and wasted his living and, and, and sinned against God and sinned against his father. Uh, father didn't, uh, didn't restore him, though. He didn't go out looking for him. He didn't throw more money at him. It was when he saw repentance in his younger son that he restored him to his former place. So there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. And I want to show this to you here in the story of Joseph. And this is found in Genesis chapter 41, and a fascinating story, and it starts in verse 41, uh, 41, and uh, the Bible says that Joseph was promoted. Pharaoh said to him, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. That 13 years he had suffered in Egypt under the hand of Potiphar first and then in Pharaoh's dungeon, but now when he has interpreted correctly the dreams of the Pharaoh, Pharaoh puts him in charge of all of Egypt's agriculture. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring, off his hand. He put it on Joseph's hand. He clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. So what happens here is as Joseph went through this process, 13-year process of correction, even though he was not an evil man, he had some pride and arrogance issues, and all of those things were expunged. In addition to that, Joseph went through school in his suffering. He learned many, many things, and all of those things were necessary. In fact, I'm going to give you four things that Jesus learned, uh, Joseph learned. And number one, when he was in service in Egypt, working first of all for Potiphar, he learned everything there was to know about food management. He learned how much food it took to prepare a meal, how much uh, an average Egyptian household, uh, uh, how much they consumed. He learned food consumption. Number two, he learned the language. You cannot learn a culture. You can't learn how to lead if you can't speak to the people that you're leading. So he learned the Egyptian language. That took a little while for him to learn. That was a process that he went through. He learned the culture. There were some things that he did that shows me that he understood culture. When Pharaoh called for him to come into the palace, he shaved his beard. Egyptians didn't like beards. They didn't respect people who had beards. He knew if he was going to face the Pharaoh, he needed to get rid of the beard. So it wasn't a sinful thing to get rid of the beard. He got rid of the beard because it helped him to relate culturally. So he understood 
understood Egyptian culture, and there were probably any number of other things that show us that he understood the culture. And then finally, when he was put into prison and he had to deal with dishonest people, with shady characters, Joseph learned how to toughen up, and he learned how to spot liars. He learned how to deal with people who were desperate, and that's what you have if you're administrating all of the food in the land of Egypt. And so everything that he went through was schooling. It would be no different than someone going through university training. Joseph had to do this. So in Genesis 41, verse 44, Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Wow. That is tremendous power. So Joseph now has an amazing amount of authority, something that he never dreamed he could have. Now he's got it, and uh, he now understands the dreams that God gave him. But even though he may have known he was going to be exalted because he did have those dreams as a young man, he now has a totally different sense about him in this position. He doesn't run off and do something foolish uh, so uh, he is in this place of authority and a place of power. Let's look at Genesis 42, verse 1. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? He said, Indeed, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Joseph's brothers had to come to deal with him by necessity. The need made them come. They didn't come because they wanted to be reunited with Joseph. They had no idea where Joseph was, and certainly they didn't think that he would be one of the leaders of Egypt. And so now he is in this place of incredible authority, and here they come. In verse 5, Genesis 42, the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him uh, with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brothers, and he recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, "'Where do you come from?' And they said, "'From the land of Canaan to buy food.'" So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. So he put them through this test. He wanted to see what kind of attitudes they now have. These tests that he put them through were designed to reveal whether or not they still have those evil intentions that they demonstrated when he was a young man and when he was under their power. This is Genesis chapter 42. In verse 19, he says, If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and you carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. So he threw them all in jail. Then he turned them out. But he said, one of you stays here in the prison. And he let his brother stay there the whole time. Now, the brother was miserable, no doubt about it. Uh, but he insisted that Benjamin, his brother that he loved, uh, be brought back. This is a test. And what it did is it revealed whether or not these men still had an evil heart. 
And so as they are going through this test, here's what happened. They said to one another, Genesis 42, 21, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear, therefore this distress is come upon us. You know, the Bible says that wicked people don't connect the dots. In other words, they never stop to say, oh my gosh, I am reaping what I have sown. Wicked people don't do that. They never have that ability. But these men, even though they had done something wrong, something evil, they were capable of repenting. And they were showing that they could connect what they were experiencing to what they had done earlier in life. This is a step toward repentance. Then in Genesis chapter 44, we read in verse 32 that uh, <clears throat> Joseph uh, brings about this amazing thing in his brother Judah. And listen to this. Uh, he said, For your servant became a surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him, Benjamin, back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers, for how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? Lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father." Here's what happened. Uh, uh, Joseph put Benjamin in prison. He accused him of stealing something from his palace, and, and, and this is really a serious thing. And he has his brother sweating bullets, and so he's going to keep Benjamin in prison. And when Judah sees it, he said, I can't let this happen. My father will die if, if Benjamin does not go back. I will stay here in his place. That's a remarkable act of contrition. And what you see then is Joseph is able to completely restore his brothers because he sees in them complete and total repentance. Now, this is fascinating because it's a lesson to us to show us that we are under no obligation to restore people until they repent. And uh, you see people doing this all the time. They give the gifts and the blessings of restoration to people who haven't shown any inclination toward repentance, and all it does is further embolden those people in their wickedness. So I can forgive people in this way. I have no ill will toward them in my heart. I am not wishing evil upon them. But nor will I open up the floodgates of blessing and privilege to them if they have not yet earned it or demonstrated that they can receive it without abusing it. And so this is something that we need to understand about the love that corrects. When love corrects, it looks for the reception of correction. That's what you want to see. And you are making a huge mistake when you restore people who have shown no inclination whatsoever to accept responsibility for the things that they've done wrong. And this story is a picture of the Messiah. Jesus himself said in the book of Hosea, I will go and return to my place till they, the children of Israel, acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Uh, 
And he said he would not return until they recognized the fact that they missed it, that they rejected their own Messiah. There will be a day when they will do that. They're not ready for that yet. Some have, but most have not. And Jesus himself said, I'm not returning till I see that real change of heart that affects a huge change in attitude. That is the love that corrects. It is designed to bring about restoration, but it doesn't throw restoration away cheaply. It looks for the right attitude. That is all the time I have for this lesson, but we've got one more and we'll pick up with it tomorrow. I'll see you then. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to MyFaithRoots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.